Today's intention is to have fun. I've been having fun all morning and I'm really excited for today's guest. And I just want to carry this feeling of joy into this entire podcast episode and then the rest of the day to have fun. Hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Welcome to the Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Hey, it's Bobby. I'm your host. I want to tell you a little story uh, the other day, but before I do, I want to read a little excerpt from this book I've just been kind of jamming on called Daily Reflections. It's actually uh, a book I picked up on Amazon recommended by a buddy, Kevin, just the other day, and it has a reflection for each day of the year, and I'm going to call attention to January 20th, and it starts off with, we pause and ask. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. It goes on to say, today I humbly ask my higher power for the grace to find the space between my impulse and my action, to let flow a cooling breeze when I would respond with heat, to interrupt fierceness with gentle peace, to accept the moment which allows judgment to become discernment to defer to silence when my tongue would rush to attack or defend. Whoosh, that's good. So it's been, that excerpt struck me back there when I, when I read it on January 20. Um, and it's something I've kind of tried to instill in my day-to-day, particularly when I'm in heated discussions or discussions that are becoming heated, um, this idea of taking a pause. A pause can be so strong. And just the other day, I was on my way to uh, play golf with my wonderful mother-in-law, super excited. Uh, You know, it's just a treat when I get to go out with her. And as I do, I get prepared really early. I've got my tea. I've got my food for the day. I'm in the Jeep early. I'm, I'm set to jet. And sure enough, wouldn't you have it, four minutes into my just wonderful journey with my music, you know, tuned up to, to, to the loudest setting, I noticed my, uh, my, my tire inflation gauge is at half. Uh, and this is a pretty new car. I've, I just, I just got it, just leased it about a month and a half ago. So all these feelings of like, Oh, why me? And are you kidding me? This brand new car, I've got to get this fixed and I'm going to be late. Like all those feelings just rush in. And I feel that kind of heat, that tension of like, all right, I want to get angry about this. How do I shortcut this? How do I, you know, how, how do I make this just go away? Cause this just sucks. And I took a pause. I took a pause. I looked at my surroundings. I see a gas station. I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm grateful that that gas station's right there. They have an air pump. Sure enough, guy turns it on, pump it right up. I even see the nail in the tire. So I'm like, okay, this thing's can at least be able to hold a little bit. And I'm not too far away to go out, uh, to go back home and swap out with my wife's, with my wife's car. So I take that pause. I fill my tire, go back, swap my car. I get, you know, after my hour journey to the course, good news, I, tr- I faked myself out, as I often do. I actually put in my calendar that the golf was at 10, but it was at 1030. So I was still early. Um, all these little things I kind of put in, in into my plan to, to make it 
you know, to make it all that much better and all that not, not painful. And then the last part of the story, the next day, I have to take my wife's car in to get serviced as well. And so I drive and I'm following her and she knows this mechanic really well. And as I pull up, I see a little sign that says they do tires. And I ask the guy, Hey, I've got a, I've got a nail in my tire. Can, can you, can you squeeze me in? He's like, dude, we'll have that done in 10 minutes. No charge. From there on, while he's fixing that tire, I get to talk to this you know, business owner. He's probably in his early 30s. He's been running his family business for about 12 years. I get to have an awesome conversation. I get my, my tire fixed without charge, and it just kind of took me back to that moment where I was about to be really frustrated, and I was just so thankful that I took that pause. So with that, let's take a pause. Let's shift to my guest of the show. Um, wonderful human being. I got introduced to Rozzy Boswell about a year ago through a mutual friend um, and humble Rozzy as, as she very much is. She met me when I was just, I'd say about halfway through the first year of starting my consulting business. And in her true humble self, she was trying to hire her boss. And I said to her, well, well, what do you want to do? And she said she wants to be the head of sales. I'm like, well, then why are we trying to hire a head of sales? And she's like, well, you know, I haven't done it before. And, and everything I could see with this woman and with the, the uh, accomplishments of the business um, to date, knew that she was the right person for the job. And so she was kind enough to bring me on board. Um, the company's called All Voices. Again, her name is Rosie Boswell. She's the head of sales there. She's pretty much the engine, transmission, uh, headlights, and tires of this automobile. She, she, she really does wear all the hats, and she's just a genuine, sincere human being, and I'm super stoked to have her on the show today. Rozzy, welcome. Thanks, Bobby. I'm so excited to be talking to you today and see you in this, this light. Usually we're on video conferencing in uh, Google or Zoom, but this is a whole other world. I love it. Me too. I mean, for, for a lot of reasons, uh, I think most notably we talk a lot, right? Yeah. Like I, 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 I see you quite a bit. You call my phone quite a bit and you're definitely the first guest that I've talked to on a regular basis. So it's really cool to have you in this environment as well. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to be here. It's, it's, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was like, well, Bobby knows me pretty well. So I feel like he'll just be interviewing me and then answering the questions. Well, 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 let's get into it. I want to find out some different things that I don't know. Um, obviously, you, you know a little bit about the show, the newsletter, um, you know, what I'm kind of tackling on this like newish journey of my life. So I just kind of want to let's just take a take stock of like today. Actually, before I get into that, I had one thing and you're probably going to laugh at me for bringing this up, but I've been meaning to ask you about it. The other day you said, um, I think you said, make sure I got this right, that you needed a you kind of needed a little mental break uh, in the day, which you definitely do. I've seen your calendar and every day it has a thousand things. It's crazy. Um, but you said you needed a mental break and I believe you said you went and did a puzzle for a half hour. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Puzz I am obsessed with puzzles. I actually need to order another one. But then I ran out of my puzzle and then I switched over and I started doing, I like drew myself a little drawing and then I've been coloring it in with pencils. I'll have to hunt it down so I can show you. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, oh, 
puzzles. I like, I actually talked to a friend about it and then she got addicted to puzzles and she was like, I don't even think I can have them in my house because she stayed up until two in the morning doing them. Puzzles seem like a slippery slope. I Not just in length of time, but I, I've been known to get a little frustrated with a puzzle. Yeah, a lot of people say they can't do them because of impatience, but I actually think that's what I like about them because it's like, it slows you down. You have to be patient. Progress, not perfection, right? It's like a lot like building a business, right? Where you're like, oh, like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere. And then you're like putting all the pieces together and you're like, oh my gosh, it's all working. And then you get kind of stuck again. And then it's like, oh, and then it, you get momentum again. So it's it's actually kind of like a good metaphor for, for building what we're building. Oh, a hundred percent agree. And really love that phrase, progress, not perfection. Mm. Um, is, is, do you use that phrase in other areas besides business and puzzles? Yes. Oh my God. I am 100% recovering perfectionist. Like, and I don't mean that way in the way, in the sense where when you're interviewing people and they're like, what's your weakness? You're like, I'm a perfectionist. Um, because I, I really, really do think uh i'm actually i'm part of a women's group and i think especially women but i think a a lot of people really struggle with perfectionism and uh and someone i know always is saying like perfection is a lie so essentially it's just this matter of expectations of like what we expect out of ourselves. It's kind of the same thing about the head of sales. Like I can't be a head of sales. I can't be a VP of sales. I can't be a CRO. I can't be, you know, whatever's after that. It's, and it's um, because I need to have everything be perfect in order for me to move forward. And it's kind of like, uh, I think perfectionism and, po- and imposter syndrome go really are really closely tied because it's this idea of like, oh, I need to have all my boxes checked in order to move forward or everything needs to be perfect in order for me to be like successful or whatever my goal is. And what I've seen is like, no, you just got to keep showing up. You got to take the action. The universe can't move a parked car, right? Like you got to get into action and then things happen. And it's like, yeah, you see every day I do do my job totally imperfectly. I make mistakes uh, constantly. And then it's like, okay, you got to get up again, get back to the puzzle. <laughs> and then mm. you start over. So, so yeah, I'm constantly, I would say that's one of my big, big, if we come back to intentions. And also it's like, perfection is the enemy of joy. Perfection is like, ooh, it's like when you're in perfectionism, it's just like, you're not in gratitude. You're not focusing on what you have accomplished. You're not focusing on, you know, the people around you. And you're holding other people to a standard that's really, really hard, if not impossible, to attain. And so it's like you're just kind of in scarcity rather than abundance. And so, um, yeah, that's something I've struggled with a lot and something I'm constantly working on. Wow, you just you just showered me with so much good little sound bites. I feel like you just had all those bottled up. That that was something. I, I actually so, – so we could go a lot of ways, but I want to go back to you actually called yourself a recovering perfectionist. Mm. Um, that's, that's really powerful because yes, 100%, everybody suffers from that in some way, shape, or form, certainly in different ways, right? And there's nuances like that word perfection, um, you know, perfectionist, I think it's just such a – it's such a loaded word. Um, 
So, so let's talk about your story though. Like, a like, what did those first shifts look like for you to become, you know, recovering? Or B, like, where was that awareness factor? How did you start to realize that hey, this is something you kind of want to face? Yeah, I think. I think for me, so I grew up with a reading disability and it was undiagnosed until I was um, actually in high school. So I grew up thinking I was stupid for like a lot of my life because I was like struggling to keep up. I would have kind of what we're talking about, right? These fits and starts, like where I would get something, I would have momentum and I would see, you know, get a good grade on a test, but then I would fall behind and then I would work really hard and I would get a good grade. So I was able to like kind of stay like behind my peers just like I was felt like I was always trailing behind um and so but it felt like there's something wrong and I mean there was something wrong I have a reading disability and now I've learned like that's one of my gifts like because I had a reading disability you know I got all of these other strengths outside of being able to read right I was able to listen more uh closely so that I could follow along I um got to know people in kind of a different way. I was focused on more on personal relationships. Uh, so, so that, so then once I was diagnosed and I was actually able to start, you know, I took like a lot of, uh, I, my parents were incredibly generous and, and paid for these programs for me to essentially like build back up my reading skills, which was crazy, uh, to even just see, like, it's something that you can really work on once it is um, diagnosed. And and I think it's like, there's a book I just read called Everything is Figureoutable. And I really do believe that, like, no matter what it is, everything is figureoutable. And so I kind of even, but then even after I d- took those reading, whatever, what are they called? Mediate, like <laughs> mediation glasses or whatever. I, uh, I still just had this like lagging thing. Like I'm stupid. I'm not, you know, good enough. It was like someone once I heard someone say once they're like, I feel like there's a bunch of Google docs that everyone has access to except for me. Right. Like, and it's like everyone's starting ahead of me somehow, you know? And it's like, that's, that's actually not true. Like everybody is just figuring it out as they go. Right. It's like you, you know what? A few weeks ago, you didn't have a podcast. Now you're learning how to do a podcast. Right. Like, you know, it's like, And it's just like, everybody is just throwing stuff against the wall and like seeing what sticks and you have to take the action in order to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I, I think that my career and my work, I've been able to work with people. I, I've been really lucky to have, get to work with my friends. Um, I worked with Melissa Palmer, who's the CEO of Osea, which is a organic and natural skincare company. And they just like absolutely took off and she is so smart one of the best salespeople I know um and then Claire when she was starting all voices I got involved and Claire is a dear friend and and is brilliant and has like probably one of the highest IQs but then also is incredibly emotionally intelligent as well and so I've learned so much from her so I've really gotten to you know be surround myself with women and people I admire um, and then even, you know, bringing, bringing you on, like getting to chat with someone every day who I'm getting to learn from both like from these like hard VP of sales skills. Right. But then also just like, how do I want to be as like a manager, as a leader, you know, what do I want to get out of this? How can I be of service to these people I'm managing? 
so yeah, I'm just, it's a constant learning, <laughs> learning curve. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I do it really messily and, and it started, I think all from that, just feeling like I was starting behind and, and having these expectations that I should be somewhere there where I wasn't and learning that I was exactly where I needed to be at every stage. Hmm. Well, yeah, I didn't know that about you. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, you, I mean, you went way back. You went way back. <laughs> so you've been a perfectionist for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, well, let's go back to just Osea, right? Because I, I wasn't familiar with you at that time, but just kind of perusing your LinkedIn, right? It seems like you were kind of that central figure, you know, one person that does all of it, right? Um, in that in that kind of uh, early stage startup vibe. So So similar to to your, I guess your, your stance with, with all voices and kind of your, your role, what was maybe different about you then, um, that, that, that maybe, I don't even know if you want to call it growth, but, but certainly a shift in mindset or shift in actions. Um, was, was there, can can you reflect back and think about maybe, maybe how you showed up every day was a little bit different? Oh, it's like I cringe even thinking about it. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I and I would talk openly with Melissa about this. Um, but I was I was really I mean, I'm still I still consider myself young, <laughs> young. Uh, but I was yes. really young when I was starting with Osea. And I think a big uh, a big thing was like, I was big into blame and I was, I, you know, I still struggle with like not being a victim, right. Taking ownership, staying in my business. Um, I'm a really big fan of Byron Katie's work. And, and she talks about like, there's three types of business, your business, my business and God's business. And to me, God is just like the universe. Um, and I was so in Melissa's business, you know, I thought, I knew what, how to run the business. I thought I knew, you know, what was best for everything. And meanwhile, like she's a CEO and she's absolutely crushing it. And uh, when I was in her business, I wasn't focused on, you know, what I needed to get accomplished. And so I really, that, <laughs> poor Melissa, was a <laughs> really kind of the testing ground for me learning how to stay out of her business, right? How to focus. It's like, if she's in a bad mood, I don't need to be in a bad mood because she's in a bad mood. That's her business. I get to show up and be of service and I don't need to, I can focus on right here, right now, what's in front of me. The past is the universe's business. The future is the universe's business, but I can tr- control what's right in front of me. And when I was there, I was, you know, always kind of like, and, and you and I have talked about this. I think I've got a lot of fear running and I'm always working on, you know, leading with love, not fear. And I think see, I led a lot with fear. I was managing a team, you know, I was in over my head. And I, I think I also was was scared to ask for help. One of the things I think I've I've come a long way with is like learning how to ask for help. So like telling Claire, hey Claire, I need to bring in someone to to teach me how to do this sales stuff, right? Like, oh my God, Bobby, what would I have done without you over this last year? Right? Like I I <laughs> I, and I couldn't have done that before. I didn't have the tools to even say like, Hey, I need help because I thought that by saying that I was saying I'm failing instead of saying like, Oh, I need to get from A to C. So I need, I kind of need a B, a Bobby in this case. And, uh, before I thought if I needed a B, 
then there was no way I could get to see. Right. And it's just like, it's that shift of like, Hey, raising your hand. I have a question, right? I was afraid to ask questions because I thought I was stupid. I was afraid to ask for help because I thought there was something wrong with me. But when if I'm just like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm learning this, right? It's my first puzzle in a long time. I need a little help. Um, so that's something I think I've gotten a lot better at staying in my business, asking for help where I need it, you know, saying like, Hey, I've never done this before. Like, I'll try my best, but, and I'll wing it if you want me to, but I'd love to get some support here if, if I can. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, it's so challenging. Um, you know, I think oh, balancing that line of, you know, being open to failure and being open to kind of trying things on your own and, and, you know, that action piece that you talked about um, uh, just a little bit ago, right? Like that to some extent does collide with this idea of recognizing when you need to ask for help, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it sounds like you were, uh, maybe doing a little too much of that, um, at, in, in your last role. Tell, tell me more about like fear is a really big thing for me. Like when I first met Chris, I, I told him like, I, I fear's been a great motivator to me right? Like fear, mm. I, I credit my entire athletic wrestling career to fear. Like I was just scared to get humiliated. And because of that, I worked my butt off and, you know, I reached all American and collegiate status. And, and then my first sales job, like I was just scared to be the person that didn't produce. And like, it drove me really hard, but I, I didn't really have so much interest in like being the best person. I didn't ever think I could be that. Like I didn't, mm. which I call opportunity. I call these, this dynamic choosing fear over opportunity or vice versa. And with, you know, with the, the five buckets book with leaning into this podcast and, and all of my creative pursuits, I look at me as like, these are choices in opportunity. This is me looking past fear, choosing opportunity over fear, over fear. But you said something interesting. I've, I don't think I've ever heard, which is you said you lead with fear or you did lead with fear. What, what did you mean by that? Hmm. Well, I think, I think there is a healthy amount of fear to just to echo your point. And I think like every human being has fear, right? Like with our, we're in a cave with a lion, like we're going to be afraid. Right. So uh, the fear is going to come, but I think it's about like questioning what, whether the fear is based in reality or not. Right. Because if I'm like afraid I'm going to fail. And so I don't want to take action. So I freeze. Right. It's like, then I'm never going to, get anywhere, you know, and I think that as your life gets bigger and bigger, you, there's more fear, right? You're, there's more, you know, uh, it's like further to fall. But I think um, I'm when I when I'm saying like, leading with fear and trying to lead with love. It's really for me about like questioning when when the fear comes up, because I know it's going to come up coming back to like, okay, what is this based in? Is this based in reality? Like, am I actually okay right here, right now? Is this me being afraid of the past? Is this me being afraid of the future? Both things I can't control? Or is this something where I'm like in actual danger or like I'm in, you know, my career is in danger, my relationship is in danger, et cetera. Um, But yeah, I just think that when I'm in fear I'm really not in gratitude. I'm not thinking about, you know, I I really feel like I get to work with people I think are amazing. 
Um, and so when I go into to fear, I feel like I'm, I, I can be missing out on that. So I think it's about, you know, the fear, I know it's going to come up and then really pausing, you know, you talked about pausing in that, that reading. It's like, what can I pause? And can I ask, like, is this real? Is this true? Or is this something like that's much younger? Or is this something that's, you know, not really serving me? Because of my access to, you know, these teachings and learnings and a community of people who, you know, are living with intention, and then I get to work with amazing people. So if I'm like, spending my life focusing on fear, then I'm missing out on all these amazing things that are happening. So <laughs> for sure, for sure. So how does uh, I, I'm curious, when you moved into all voices, did you look at that as did you have any fear moving into it? Or was it purely like this? Is just 100%. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I had fear moving into it. I, every time, every time something good happens to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's like, I bought a house, I'm fear comes up, right? I get a new job, fear comes up. Like, I think there's a, and I, you know, being part of this women's group, I hear a lot of this. It's like, there's this misconception that like, when good things happen, like everything's going to be okay, right? It's like, you know, if I get the perfect body, everything's going to be okay. If I get the perfect house, everything's going to be okay. If I'm in the perfect relationship, everything's going to be okay. And it's like, no, (laughs) what, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it's already okay, first of all, but it's also, it's like, the bigger your life gets, it's like, again, it's now there's a whole new set of challenges and opportunities. And so, uh, yeah, I, I have found that every time I step into something new, it is really, really hard. It brings up a ton of fear and I just take the action, you know, it's like, okay, what's the, the, I know 12 step uses this a lot. Like what's the next right action? Like, okay, where do I need to go next? And, you know, it's like, feel the fear and do it anyway. You just gotta keep on moving. Uh, as one of my friends said, mediocre makes money. So you got just, (laughs) (laughs) man, you got a lot of smart friends with some interesting quips. Mediocre, mediocre makes money. Uh, Wow. I like that. That is so important. I go back to that all the time. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the part about it always is there. Like I, I actually fooled myself just not that long ago. I actually opened the last podcast with this story of, I'd kind of set myself up with this expectation that like, man, for the last four months, I've been writing like crazy. I've been creating like all this, you know, good stuff. I've been leaning into all these opportunities. I'm, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And then just ran one random Monday, I sat down to, to finish the book and I was just, <laughs> I just was stuck. I couldn't go anywhere. And I had a, 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 a podcast guest cancel and I just had all these like really bad fears that, that I just had that been kind of foreign for like four months. And I was like, again, I kind of set myself up for a, a, a missed expectation. Cause I was like, there's no way this is coming up. I haven't drank a drop of alcohol. I've been working out. Like I'm on, I'm in the zone. Like how could I have these fears? But to your point, I think you said two really interesting things. One, it's always okay, right? Like even those fears are okay, right? Like it's, it's a part of the experience. It's, you know, part of the universe letting us know that, you know, they're the, <laughs> the universe is the universe and, and we're just that little piece. 
And then the second piece is like, uh, is just take that beat to, to recognize that fear for what it is. Um, and then, and then, you know, in my case, I, I, I think I wrote it out. I wrote like two pages of like, just trying to figure out where the root of this was and, um, and was able to move on. In your case, you were getting started with all voices. It sounds like you just, you just started trying to sell the stuff. <laughs> and talk about your work a little bit. I, 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 you know, have a huge passion for all voices. I call you guys my favorite client all the time. Let's, let's talk about not just those early days, but, but, but the work in general that you do. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we build trust with between employees. <laughs> That's what Bobby always tells me is, and we do, we build trust between, uh, companies and their employees by providing, uh, companies, a tool for their employees to speak up about anything from, you know, general feedback to diversity, equity, and inclusion to harassment, um, anonymously, and then provide a communication channel so they can have an anonymous back and forth, ideally to help resolve these issues before someone is forced to quit their job or to, you know, go into litigation. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I feel so lucky. I literally, I, love my job so much. I'm so grateful for my job because I love building a business. I love, you know, growing something, but then also to be growing something where people are telling you that like people are coming forward about bullying and, and harassment and, you know, discrimination and they might not have otherwise is insane. Like, it's like, that's like the best gift. So um, it's so exciting to hopefully help make these companies better places to work and um, allow employees to have that opportunity to resolve issues before they have to take other routes. It definitely is. You know, I've, I've only been uh, a part of the organization for about a year, but in, in short order, quickly realized the effect and the impact that not just all voices is having um, as a company, but, I'd say even like more uh, astonishingly is the companies themselves that are, are leaning into this idea of building trust, leaning into revealing skeletons in their closets, um, having tough conversations, um, transparently. Um, it's, it's, it's an unintended consequence of working with you is having these conversations. It's really been fascinating for me to be a part of. Um, and the team you're building is, you, know, you couldn't think of a better team to actually do this work because it is hard work. Um, but you guys, you guys just nail it day in and day out. Um, so, so we get the, the mission part is clear. Like again, every time we, I think every time we interview someone, there's just that, that innate passion in the, the work that we're doing. I'm just curious what, what's really surprised you about either the work or the company? What's just kind of maybe thrown you for a loop a little bit? That's a good question. Let's see. What has surprised me? You know, I think, I think, I mean, one, I think the thing that surprised me is how quickly this space is moving. I think um, employee experience, like even just in being in this, I've been now with All Voices for probably around two and a half years now. And I've watched this world of HR, you know, people, teams, culture, 
just completely turn on its head. I, I can remember um, at the beginning, like when we were even just having conversational, you know, interviews with, with heads of HR because they wouldn't even have like a sales call with us. It was just to like even learn about what they were doing and what their challenges were. And when we would talk about all voices, people would say, you know, I don't want to open Pandora's box. Like that was a, something, a conversation we had over and over and over and over again. And uh, I think that employees are now just, <laughs> it's like they're going elsewhere. It's like, if they don't, if, if they're, if Pandora's box is not open to HR people teams, right, it's coming out in these other ways. And so I think we didn't expect that the, the kind of like growth and evolution of companies culture and willingness to actually like improve the experience of the employee would move as quickly as it has over the last two and a half years. And I think it will just continue to become a bigger and bigger priority for companies as first of all, right. Like the, the expectation for companies becomes like, Hey, this is how you treat employees, right? If you go from one, especially in the world of tech, when you're choosing between two companies, if one company has a much better culture than the other, you're going to go with the company that has the better culture. But also companies seeing like how this impacts our bottom line. Companies are starting to track kind of like the ROI of these things in a way they hadn't before. So I think that was a big surprise for me. I, I, I mean, it was hard. It was really fucking hard at the beginning, right? We were talking to people. They were like, no, who are you? Like they had no interest in us. They had no interest in... in this is, it takes work to actually, you know, listen to employees, but it, it's, it seems so obvious, I think, to a lot of people. But, you know, when, when you're a CHRO and you're resource constrained, I get it. It's a, it's a challenging thing to say, like, yeah, I want to open this door for people to speak up. I don't know what's going to come through here. You know, I don't know what the quantity of reports that are going to come through here. I don't know if we're, we have a world of harassment that I don't even know about, right? It's scary. It's like what we're talking about. There's fear of like, what am I getting into? Um, but oh, when you see uh, an, an administrator open the doors and start to be able to respond to employees and actually like get it, Oh, it feels so good. I cannot. It's just like, wow, this is amazing. It's, it's, it's so cool. It's just so cool. And there are so many really, really strong. We're lucky because I know you and I talk about this all the time, but the companies that are really using all voices are really progressive forward thinking companies. So uh, we get to work with these like incredible experts uh, who are really empathetic. Um, and that's, that's just so cool. So I would just say that the the speed in which this industry is changing is the biggest surprise for me. Absolutely. That's another thing I noticed uh, from, from February of last year, clear on to, to now, and it kind of has been exponentially gaining steam, right? I think early on you, you were probably creating the wave and now you're, you're more riding the wave, so to speak. Um, I think, and, and it's, and it, it is kind of logical. It is kind of obvious, right? Like um, the the choices of folks to be employed, not not just through businesses, but but self employed as well, um, couldn't be more varied and and to some extent accessible and, and widespread um, than than certainly like ten years ago or even five years ago. And then there's there's also this grounds. I mean, look at student of intention, right? There's this 
groundswell, I think, of folks taking stock in themselves first and foremost, but also their environments that they put themselves in that could potentially harm or hopefully enhance themselves, right? And an employer is certainly certainly fits that bill. Um, and so you guys break down break down those walls and and make it that much easier for for employer employee to find common ground because it's it's a partnership in so many ways and I don't think it's been looked at that it hasn't been looked at as a partnership at least from the employer perspective um, pretty much my lifetime <laughs> I don't know. yeah and especially with us I think all going remote I know at least for me like my work and my life and I've always kind of had my work and my life meld together because I've became friends with the first CEO I worked with. I it was friends with the past, my current and past CEO uh, that I worked with. Uh, and so it was very kind of like melded together, but this is where you're spending, right? Like eight, six to 10 hours of your day. And so if it's a culture that's super toxic, or if you have a manager who's just a dick, for lack of better words, like you're, that sucks. It's just like these things really, and then not to mention like actual harassment, right? Actual, you know, microaggressions or discrimination, but these like, even just the, the toxicity that can happen in a workplace, it's like, is that really where you want to, what you want to be putting to talk about intention? Like, is that what, where you want to be like feeding your mind every day, you know, it's like, how do you want people to talk to you? How do you want to be talked to? Um, or excuse me, how do you want to talk to people? I think is, uh, is becoming more and more important. And I think being remote is, is only making that more and more clear. Right. And, and, and even on the employer side, right? Like when we talk to these prospects, they don't want that going on, or at least most of them don't. <laughs> um, you know, more and more widespread, they don't. But um, but now they have you know tools like All Voices to be able to at least figure that out at a high level because um, it's 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 still not easy, right? Um, wanting is is kind of the prerequisite. Wanting to make it right, wanting to make to to cure the problem, um, but but even the solve is is. Uh, is still challenging, even even if the the heart's in the right place. Absolutely, yeah. I think creating. I mean, we're still, I think, at the very early stages of figuring out the formula for the world that we're living in today for a happy, safe company culture, right? And I think it will always be evolving because our technology is evolving so quickly, right? The environments that we're working in are evolving, right? Now we're on Zoom. Now we're on. Slack now, right? They, these different channels for us to communicate. And so I think it's it's going to be a living thing to, to identify like what makes a, a really, really strong culture. And, and by the way, like as a company evolves, right, then the culture evolves. So it's like what worked for me yesterday might not work for me today as a people leader. And so it's it's they're evolving, we're evolving, and the employee is evolving. So it's a moving target for sure. For sure. So, I mean, you're clearly already doing a bunch of work on yourself. Uh, you know, you've got friends with just gifted quips left and right coming at you. I mean, you're, you're, you're reading some really good books. Um, our, our, our favorite question to ask here on, on suit of intention is, 
is okay, let's, let's bring us back to now. What is something you want to metabolize? What is something maybe you want to get some intention around um, as we, you know, as we kind of go into February here? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. I think, I think you and I have talked a little bit about this and um, something I really, really have been kind of becoming more and more aware of and something I'm wanting to work on is people pleasing. I'm a big recovering people pleaser. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think even just working with you, seeing how honest and um, I think I've used the word frank uh, (laughs) before, just like really frank and open and honest with people um, and talk about kind of the hard, uncomfortable things sometimes is something I want to um, get stronger at. I think um, I can have a tendency to avoid uncomfortable conversations and yeah, is that what is that what you mean by people pleaser? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, to me, people pleasing is like it's essentially dishonesty, really. No, it's because when you're people pleasing. To me, when you're people pleasing, right, you're not actually listening to your intuition. You're not listening to yourself. Like, what 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 does Rosie need right now? What do I want? And I've gotten a lot better in my relationships, um, my kind of more like my closer relationships of being really honest with people. And, and, you know, even what I talked about, like sharing, Hey, I need help on this. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Uh, or this doesn't feel right to me even, you know, like something feels off here. So I think, uh, but, but I think I can in my work and I think even in, in environments, sales environments, sometimes I can, um, kind of like want to please so much that I actually miss out on, on giving that person uh, the most out of our conversation. And so, uh, yeah, I think I want to really work on being super honest. If I see something that seemed off, being able to call it out in a way that is not putting someone down or is not, you know, making someone feel bad, but I'm walking away feeling like, Hey, I gave that person some honest feedback. So something I'm always kind of working on improving, but I think especially this year, I'm just seeing a friend of mine was, is dating someone. (laughs) And she was saying, she was like, I'm realizing people pleasing is literally lying. Like she's saying to this guy, Hey, yeah. Like, and I used to do this with my husband, my my now husband, I used to be like, whatever you want to do, let's do whatever you want to do. And it's like, I didn't want to do whatever he wanted to do. I had things I wanted to do. But it's like, I was, I had been taught, right? But to, or somehow I had learned like, oh, I'll just be like easygoing. Um, but it was at the, and then I would be resentful of him. I'd be like, why are we always doing what you want to do? It's like, he's like, what are you talking about? We're doing what you want to do, which is whatever I want to do. Right. And so it's like, it's actually, and, and now I see it more and more. Like when I'm around people pleasers who are like, Oh, so easygoing. It's actually like annoying. I'm like, no, tell me what you want. What are you looking for? Right. I don't want you to just tell me what you think. I want you to tell me. I want to actually know. Right. And so that's something I'm, I'm really working on because it's like, it's, it's kind of dishonest to be like, oh yeah, everything's great. When it's like, everything's not great. (laughs) You know, I'm really struggling and I'm really confused as this last conversation we had. So, um, so that's, I think an area where I'm, I'm really wanting to, dig in and uh, I know you'll hold me to that because you're constantly pushing 
Hey, hey, it's your world. I'm living in it. So we've got, but there's two, now there's two really, I think, distinct challenges to this, this, uh, growth edge that you're looking to, uh, to move, to kind of progress in. One, you've clearly been this way for a long time. So like, even if you understand this about yourself, like the chances that you on a tactical, like daily, uh, you know, interaction by interaction basis, changing it, like, let's be honest, it's, it's going to be hard, right? Like that's a shift. So, um, I want to, I want to understand that piece. And then, and then secondly, when you describe kind of the solution, right? I think where the fear is there is, is even your solution can kind of come off a little catty, maybe a little insensitive, right? And that's, that's probably your fear. That's why you're doing it in the first place. So I, I mean, pick which one you want to kind of talk about first, but what does it actually look like to get yourself kind of past this? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to progress, not perfection, right? It's like, yeah, totally. I've been living for 30 years as a people pleaser, so it's not going to be overnight. And that's one of the things I've found probably over the last five years, right? That it's like, as a perfectionist, I think it's like, I should be like, I'm, I'm done being a people pleaser. That's it. It's over. Right. And now I'm not a people pleaser anymore. Um, but the reality, yeah, exactly. This is the upgraded Rossi 2.0. And, but the reality is it's like, it looks really messy, right? Sometimes I, you know, accidentally go back to people pleasing. Sometimes I try to be frank and I'm probably too maybe catty or say the wrong thing or step in it. Right. Or like make, you know, a decision and it's super messy and wonky, but what I found is like in, in moving uh, forward in my life so far is when I'm moving out of a habit or a phase, it's, it's messy, right? I take the action, it's messy, it's uncomfortable, but then it starts to kind of smooth out over time and it starts to feel really good when, when I start to drop some of these habits that I just think are not serving me or other people and you know, my overall purpose on this planet that I've kind of found for myself is I want to leave more love on this planet than there was here when I came in. So it's like that's through being of service, through being a channel of love wherever I can. And that means being honest and, and doing that, you know, lack of people, opposite of people pleasing people mm. displeasing no self i think it's really being honest with myself and taking care of myself um and then i can show other people how to do it too right once i learn something then i can turn around and uh help other people which you know so many of these quips as you called them came from people sharing them with me so i want to go around and turn turn around and help other people as well mm. Well, that was going to be my next question. Um, I think you already answered it, which was like, okay, Rosie tackles this, um, you know, leads with action. It's not perfect. You're, you're kind of figuring it out as you go along, um, becoming less and less of a people pleaser, figuring out how to be a little bit more honest and direct with your feedback. What's, what's this, uh, measurement of success or like what, what does, what does change look like? That's a great question. I don't know if I've actually thought about that. 
And I, and I think I can point to a few examples. I mean, again, just like in my personal relationship where I've, I've moved out of people pleasing. Uh, but I get, I think probably more professionally, I, I think I would need to actually sit with that and iron out a few examples um, or benchmarks for me to hit. Because I don't know that I have those right now. Well, I think I think the two things that you said prior about you know le- leading in with action, right? That that's first and foremost. You you actually have to err on the side of being insensitive, right? Like you you, you I think because you're you're trying to change that barometer of insensitivity, like what or, or what you're kind of necessarily scared of saying the wrong thing or offending someone. So you kind of have to have to veer off course or what you view as the course correction a little bit. Um, and, and then you'll just, you'll, you'll kind of, you'll, you'll get feedback and you'll see how that lands. Right. Um, and then you answered the most important part. I mean, that was pretty cool that you, you brought up, you know, your, your purpose um, and, and, and this, this general you know principle of wanting to leave the uh, leaving, you know, more love on the world and on the planet than, than maybe existed prior to you, right? Or, or more than you receive, you know, that's, that's really powerful and figuring out how to, you know, how to lean into that idea day in and day out and in particularly in the bad times, right? And then, and then just awareness, right? Just awareness, figuring out a trigger to understand, like, cause it sounds like you feel it, right? Like, you know, when you're not saying what you should say, right? Or, or biting the tongue and, and not quite being clear with the person across from you, right? You sense it. So I think you got to figure out what what is that next step past that, that gut? Because you've got the gut, it sounds like. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's right. And, I, and I've heard before, uh, when you're in people-pleasing, you're not listening to your intuition because you're trying to listen to what someone else wants. So... So yeah, it's, it is exactly that, right? It's like, I'm not listening to my gut in those moments. So yeah, maybe it's that course correcting and, and building that habit of taking the action and, and maybe, you know, risking take stepping in it a few times or putting my foot in my mouth. Uh, and, and then, you know, ironing it out and, and, but yeah, I, I would love I, I think I think I've come a long way. Even just this podcast, and I'm able to talk more openly. You know, when I first entered the working world, I was like, "Hi, I'm Rosie. Nice to meet you." <laughs> like, very uh, uh, not not not, not <laughs> Rosie. You know, it was like this this kind of mask. And so, um, the more and more I can uh, put that mask down and be my authentic self, and you know, comfort my intuition the better. And, and I think someone said to me, once, like, in order to keep it, you have to give it away. So, uh, I'll, I'll have to start helping some other people, pleasers, which I'm sure I can find. Do, <laughs> do you write anything down too? Do you journal? I'm not a big journaler. I don't know why. I feel like I can't write as quickly as I'm like thinking. 
So I, it's, I don't know what that is. I, maybe I, I need to type or something and, and see if that works. <laughs> well, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm biased. I've got three journals uh, scattered around the house and I'm, I'm just making it as easy as possible for me to write stuff down. But even like, uh, I was talking to Chris about this the other day, like even I would say three weeks into student of intention, having the podcast, I felt like I had these feelings of like, just worried about where I have to go with it and not acknowledging that I just like completed the first three podcasts that wasn't even an idea like 45 days earlier. And so I had to write it down and then I put up the, the graphic logo in front of my desk. So I could just be like cognizant of like a reminder, like you've come this far, bro. Like, like we need some of these triggers. And I think, you know, starting journaling is, is kind of this huge, like crazy endeavor. Like I can't start journaling. Right. Um, and, and trust me, I've, I've, I've been through those moments myself, but what you could do is buy a journal and for this particular thing, say, you know what, next time I get that gut feeling, I'm just going to write that down. I'm just going to write that interaction down. And then you could even check a yes or a no. Like I, I wasn't people pleasing or I was. Ooh, I love that. And then even as you were saying that, I was like, we, I do journal again. This is perfectionism. Like I literally have a journal right here where it's like a bunch of my notes that I take. Uh, so it's like, again, but I love the idea of really tying it to people pleasing of like, how do I do that? Um, and I, I actually have a bunch of vision boards, which makes me look slightly insane when people come over, but, but I really love vision boards to kind of remind me and anchor me and like, okay, what am I working towards? Um, and, and coming back to that. But I, I love the idea of even doing one kind of around just that people pleasing and coming back to my gut and my intention. So Bobby, again, geez, Louise. Oh, th this has been really fun. I mean, um, we, we are, are down to the wire here on the show, so we got to wrap this up soon, but, um, thank you so much for coming on for being, you know, so open, honest. I mean, this was really, really fun for me selfishly <laughs> getting to talk to you in this format and in a different way. Um, and some of the stuff you shared about, um, you know, your, your early days, um, you know, working through, um, some of those challenges and, and all the different, um, insights into your friends and, and what you're doing. It's, it's been really great. I guess, is there anything you want to, you want to kind of leave with or, or share about the work that you guys do or, or whatever's kind of top of mind, um, with the listeners and the people that are chiming in to student of intention? No, I think I'm, I mean, maybe I'm just so grateful for Bobby, you and you taking this leap, um, and getting to work with you every day and bring it back to what our intention is, because I think it's easy when you are building a business to, to get veer off course and be focused on things that maybe aren't truly as important. Um, and you know, I, I was actually sharing with one of our team members the other day, like sometimes it feels like we're holding on to rhinestones and the universe is trying to give us di diamonds. And we're just like, no, 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 I got to grip onto the rhinestones. Like, I don't want to get rid of these. And I feel like you're great at being like, release the rights so um and so yeah i i'm grateful for you having me on and getting to that little journal bite is a really good one i like that that people pleasing gut check journal so uh i'm grateful for you and chris thank you so much and probably talk to you soon hey it's bobby thanks for listening to today's show 
For more, follow Student of Intention at www.studentofintention.com. And remember, don't wait. Start small. Learn as you go.